feeling good? Yeah, feeling good. How come Sherwood's not playing at, at Furnace Fest? That's <laughs> fun, dude. That that lineup though. You sure you don't want to go? Uh, I could probably go to one day, dude. It'd be know. like we time traveled back to like 2003. <laughs> well, there's two things it's hard for you to do after you've been a musician for a decade. It's one, Just go to shows, pay for alcohol, <laughs> right, and pay for shows. Dude, we're not gonna pay to go to the show. Are you kidding? I, me, yeah, dude? I know. I mean, I like, know, I'll know. just call, dude. The dudes from Amberland and the dudes from Emory are playing, among other like smaller bands. I know. Yeah, we have enough friends we could hit up. Yeah, to we get, could get just, get, just get passes. I want to see Under Oath. I've never seen Under Oath play. And more than that, I actually want to see Beloved. Because I have Beloved tattoos. So You do. You have Beloved tattoos. Dude. We were born for battle. Look at this without, guy. Without vision, we will die. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you got to go. Oh, All dude. right. So those listening, we're just going to put this in the show. Luke and I grew up Tooth & Nail kids, listen to Tooth & Nail bands. If you don't know what we're talking about, you missed out on one of the greatest times. Greatest, but, greatest scenes, greatest like... I mean, every kid in high school was in a garage band. Yeah. I mean, not every kid, but a lot of them. And I played sports, so I wasn't in a garage band, but yeah, a lot of my friends were and got signed. Yeah. I was on Warp Tour when uh, with Under Oath when they put out Define the Great Line. And I, it was it was fun to watch because they were like the biggest band on Warp Tour. Yeah. And they would come out every night and it was just people would go bananas. Dude, well, they're only chasing safety. It's one of my top five records ever. Record before that. I mean, Define the Great Line got super heavy. Yeah, and I don't mind it, but dude, I loved that record before, man. It was like that record, dude. I mean, that record, um, Phantoms, Phantoms by Acceptance. Yeah, gosh, dude. I mean, Amberlynn, Emery. Yeah. I mean, it was just that was the time. Man. Yeah, that was the time. <laughs> Real quick before we get started, if you're just here for the first time, this might not be the episode for you. Uh, normally we're talking Bigfoot, cryptids, and all that, but this week we bring on veteran podcaster Tony from the Confessionals Podcast, and a bunch of podcasters get in the room, the conversation can go wherever. Just giving you a fair warning, we take the conversation wherever it wants to go, and on with the show. All right, welcome to the show, Tony Merkel. Tony, you've been podcasting since 2016 with your uh, podcast, The Confessionals, and uh, you started another podcast with your dad in 2020 called Hammer Lane Legends, which is about trucking. My mother-in-law actually worked for Nextran, so I know all about the trucking industry. She talks to me about it all the time, so we thought it would be fun to bring you on the show, talk about podcasting. You're kind of a podcasting veteran now, been doing it for, what is this, five or six years? Yeah. already yeah it's time flies and you talk about a lot of the stuff that we talk where fringe material bigfoot uh cryptids ancient history meets your faith that's something we're, we're what i would like to talk to you a little bit about is how your you know your faith meets the fringe community and how you how much information do you divulge to your listeners how comfortable do you feel talking about your beliefs because every time we do, we seem to get one-star reviews, you know, Luke? It's like <laughs> you put yourself out there, you have a podcast, but yet people still kind of feel the need to – they don't want the host to share too much. And mm, uh, Nate, that gives you the juice, Nate, every time you get a one-star. a one star. Yeah, I know. It's like either five stars or one stars. Yeah. As soon as you talk your, about your faith, it's like, ah, don't talk about that stuff. So I don't know. We share a lot of things in common. We do Our shows are in similar veins, and I thought it would be fun to do a show together. So thank you for coming on, Tony. We're happy to have you on. Well, I'm glad to be here. And everything you said is just like, 
Whew, I got opinions on all that. So. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I host the Confessionals podcast. It's a, a paranormal podcast. I am a Christian, and I didn't know how that was going to all work when I started podcasting. To be honest, I've said this before, you know, probably on my show and other shows and stuff. Like before I started podcasting, I had a, a group called Pennsylvania Sasquatch Research. I was really interested in the topic of Bigfoot. And uh, it wasn't really research, though. I just I, ca- I called it research and ignorance. It really was just me hiking around the woods. And, <laughs> you know, I, I started noticing as the community built that there was a certain spirituality that came mm. along with this topic of Bigfoot for people. And people were talking about, you know, the paranormal aspects of Bigfoot. But also one of the things that I heard a lot was people would say when they go into the woods, it's like a church for them. It's like a sanctuary. It's like a spiritual experience. And I can understand the sense that you're going out to God's nature and you're, you're, you feel more connected to, to, to nature. But the way they were referencing, it was not like in that sense, like you're going out in the woods and admiring what God created. It was like, like more, um, I don't want to say esoteric, but, but along those mm-hmm. lines. And so I, I was driving truck uh, down Germantown Pike in Philadelphia and I, um, I was praying about it and I was really considering just walking away from it all because I just didn't feel I was in in that moment I was thinking you know I just don't know if this is the group of people that I need to be connected with Hmm. and I was at that time I was experiencing growth in the Facebook group and you know it seemed to be a pretty positive environment outside of the very obvious for me conflict personally with the spiritual side of stuff and um, I was praying about it and I just felt the Holy Spirit uh, speak to me. And I felt God say to me that he put me in this community to affect change for his name. And at that point, I was just like, okay. And uh, I just kind of rolled with things. And so it's been an ever evolving process for me uh, doing what I do. I don't make, I don't uh, preach to people like people like, cause you talked about the one star reviews and stuff. I mean, dude, that's just part of the process. Like, yeah. like, like, you know, people, they tune into a podcast and it's like, well, if you don't, if you don't like the host, you can just turn it off. We're not we're, like, I, I don't think I went to your door, knocked on it and said, listen to my podcast. You found me and started listening. So you can turn it off if you'd like, but people would rather just tear you down for being who you are. You know, as, as time went on and stuff, I had to really kind of feel out the waters as to how this was all going to go. But early on, I was just like, I'm, I'm not gonna shy away from who I am, and yeah. I don't, I don't, um, I don't approach my show in a way where it's like I'm gonna preach to people and stuff. People say that that happens on my show, and they're if they, I'm, I'm sorry, like if you think that's whatever I said, you think that's preachy. Trust me, like you ain't yeah. her preachy, you know, <laughs> yeah. like like I can go, and um, and so I just talk to people, have conversations with people and yeah. people from all walks of life. And it's like, if you're um, it, like, I've, I've had Satanists on my show and I just accept them for where they're at. And uh, I don't make it a point to save everybody and things like that. I just believe that I'm here for a reason and I'm just trusting the process, hmm. God's process. You know, sometimes I have people because because I'm outspoken about my faith, I don't have a problem saying it. People that are Christians that hear my show feel more comfortable talking to me about the experiences they've had. So yeah. They come on the show, they tend to, you know, bring up God and things like that. So we get into the conversation. But like, you know, if, if they don't really bring it up, 
I'm just happy just talking to people and seeing where it goes. Yeah. And we've talked about that a lot on our show. Like at first, we, Luke and I had the idea of doing more in the crypto space and it just quickly involved into the ancient giants. And you can't talk about the ancient giants without talking about the Bible. And then it just, it just comes out. So uh, I don't know. It's funny. A lot of people just can't handle that. But so far, it's, it's been encouraging for us to get a lot of emails from fans uh, saying, hey, I was kind of at the doorstep of walking away from everything I believed. And you start talking about this giants thing. And it makes me realize the Bible isn't isn't what I thought it was. And these stories happened. And there's more ancient history that I don't understand. And they come back. And so we don't preach either, but um, it seems like it's just this interesting thing when you're doing a cryptid show. Some people, you know, they go listen to Ben Shapiro, for example, and they want that guy to tell them exactly what to think, you know? And Luke and I keep it vague. We're like, this is what kind of what we think, but... You know, make your own decisions. And, and some people come on these crypto shows, and they just want the host to hammer them. Tell me exactly what to think. And it's like, I, we're just hearing stories and letting it happen. I mean, and, and that's, that's what it is. I mean, we're just human beings and we all have thoughts and we share our thoughts and let other people consume those thoughts and they make their yeah. own thoughts accordingly. Um, you know, it, it's just uh, that that's the way I, I think it should be. Listen, yeah. I mean, people who don't like you guys talking about certain things and stuff, it's one of those things where you as a podcaster have a decision to make. I mean, do you, are you going to allow the world, and that's a very big world out there that has the opportunity to listen to your show, dictate how you let yourself be perceived on your show, basically dictate how you act on your own show. You do that, you're literally building, encasing yourself in your own pr personal hell, your own personal prison where yeah. you feel like you can't even be yourself. And so I, I, for me, my philosophy is I'd rather just be myself and people who don't like it, they can go somewhere else. But I, I, I know, but if I'm myself, there's going to be people out there that like me and they're going to, you know, come over. And so that's just the way I, I kind of operate. And I went through those stages, though, early on. It was just like I, I almost quit the show because I was like, I don't mm. know if I can handle this. This is just crazy. Yeah. The trolls, the, the inner demons kind of get to you when you put yourself out on the Internet. And, and, and in this day and age, I remember like, you know, being in a band where there was a time when we would release music and you wouldn't get any feedback. And then all the bands joke about how it turned into this MySpace Facebook generation where you literally make a post, here's the tour dates, and then some fan will say, come to Oklahoma City, and you just were in Oklahoma City, and we just, it was like, a, it was like an inside joke of like, man, I miss the... I miss the days. Well, there was this inside joke: "Come to Brazil," because that's what everyone writes on your on your page, no matter what you say. Come to Brazil. But there's this joke about like, man, I miss the days before the internet when you could just release music and you didn't know what your th your fans thought about anything that you released. So, <laughs> uh, I can't I can't imagine a time. I can't imagine a time. And I I know you guys are. I think you guys are a little older than me. I'm, I'm yeah five, and I I try to remember back to like my early days, like my, my early twenties when it came yeah. to like just this stuff. And even back then it was starting to get a little crazy. Uh, yeah, Luke, Luke and I were around the mp3.com days. Remember yeah. That, Luke? Yeah. Dude, we were, I mean, I remember when Napster shut down my college dorms because some, some kids <laughs> on like the sixth floor were downloading like terabytes <laughs> of stuff on a T1 connection. I, I remember when that stuff first started popping out and stuff. And uh, I, I, I forget what it was. It was like some movie and stuff. I Back then I was like, I don't, it's not stealing. It's, it's right there. Right. And, uh, I downloaded a movie and then um, it was at my mother-in-law's house. And uh, I guess like Warner Brothers like contacted the internet provider. The internet provider, my, provider contacted my mother-in-law about it. And I was just like, 
uh, I, it was an accident. I didn't realize <laughs> what I was doing, you know, I didn't even yeah. know it was a movie, you know? <laughs> yeah. I can remember someone telling me to put my music on YouTube. Like there's this new website, YouTube. You should check it out and put your music on. This was like 2002. So that's, that's crazy. Don't you now, tired of getting, being, arriving late to the party sometimes? Like I wish I would have started the YouTube thing when it first started. I mean, yep. doing what I do, I can't imagine how, how, huge my brand would be if i would have been the only one doing what i do on youtube or you or you bought bitcoin 10 years ago or whenever it came out listen oh that's a sore subject because <laughs> when bitcoin came out i was dirt poor i was freshly married and i heard about it and i approached my wife and i said there's this thing i don't know much about it there's this thing called bitcoin and apparently it's supposed to be, get really valuable i think we should put a hundred dollars into it and she's oh, like man we can't afford a hundred dollars and so i was like all right. So I, I didn't do it. And then like two weeks later, without asking her, I went and bought a PS3. It was like so stupid. You know? <laughs> <laughs> How much is that? How much is that PS3 worth now? What was Bitcoin at? Right. When you I mean, it was change, man. It was probably what, oh. 25 cents a coin. It was crazy. Dang. Yeah. But here's the thing. I always tell people, if you bought Bitcoin at 25 cents, you would have sold at $10. Yeah, probably. And then you would have been like, oh man, I made five grand on Bitcoin. This is crazy. And then now it's worth 50 grand. So Right, and you bought a you bought like a boat from the '90s for five grand. Look what I got! It's like your PS3, and you're like, "Oh yeah. man, like that's worth a couple million dollars now." <laughs> exactly. Bummer. Ex well, we have a tradition on our show. We might as well stick with it, Luke. Where you know we ask all our guests their thoughts on Bigfoot, and you know you've been you've been asking other people for you know half a decade what their thoughts are on Bigfoot. How is your what are your thoughts on Bigfoot, and how has it evolved? We can get that out of the way so we don't break with tradition. And then let it go wherever. My, my thoughts on Bigfoot, when I first started looking into the topic, it was like, I was really interested in it. I didn't know much outside of the, the Patterson-Gimlin film. And I was just, the topic fascinated me. When I, I was a kid, when I got interested in it, then, you know, I got older, got into basketball, dating, all that stuff. Just Bigfoot was not cool. You know, I'm not going to talk about Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even interested. And then uh, I got married pretty young. I was 21 when we got married and I found myself probably around 23, 24, bored out of my mind. And I was watching uh, Monster Quest on History Channel, which was just, you know, it's a new creature every week, but it's all Bigfoot, you know, <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, I kind of got interested in it again. And so just watching that, I just had this idea that Bigfoot is clearly i mean if this all is true then it's clearly uh multiple creatures and they're some kind of physical creature out in the woods and we just can't keep up with it for whatever reason and i'm gonna start pennsylvania sasquatch research because there's a lot of reports in pennsylvania and i'm gonna go freaking find this thing it ain't gonna be that hard wrong and <laughs> i i uh i had early on a very clear understanding that it was just um, just some kind of hairy creature in the woods. As I got more involved in this, uh, this realm, uh, with, I call everything paranormal. So when I say paranormal, it's like encompassing, you know, hauntings to Bigfoot, to UFOs, all of it. Mm -hmm. And the more I heard people's stories and their experiences with not just Bigfoot, but a lot of stuff, I, my mind started kind of opening up to other possibilities and then I stumbled across uh, Dr. Michael Heiser, which I'm sure you guys probably have come across as well. He talks about a lot of things that uh, have a fresh, different perspective than the traditional Christianese of America. And um, it, it really, for, for me to come across him was such a huge thing for me. It, he, it's almost like he was giving me the permission to 
it's okay to think outside the box and to view things in a different lens. I started looking into the Nephilim giants and things like that. I then started looking at the book of Enoch because pretty much Heiser was talking about it. So I was like, okay, let me check this out. And uh, I have it on the shelf behind me. I should, I, I should have grabbed it before I came over here. In there, it does talk about, and if I'm reading it right now, I'm going to have Heiser on my show in June sometime. I haven't yeah, He's coming on ours next week, so it's free. Oh, nice. It's perfect. Yeah, like, I, I have never bothered reaching out to him. Yeah. Uh, and recently, I made a decision that I was going to start trying to... He's a four-month-out book right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, we, bo- I, I just, we, we booked him in, like, I think December, so... And he's like, yeah. guys, you get, how does March look for you guys? <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said June for me, and I was like, book it, baby. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like, I love it. Anyways, uh, I, I, I'm excited to talk to him about some of these things because I don't know if I'm reading it right, you yeah. know? But in the Book of Enoch, it, it talks about the Watchers having sex with women, the offspring being Nephilim giants. And those Nephilim giants then went and defiled God's creation. And it talks about uh, doing things to animals and that, that sounded like it was bestiality. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder, because so like I, 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 I'm a truck driver, you know, like, I, like that's, like that's my, the extent of my education. You know, I went to Bible college, I didn't graduate. Um, but I, I look at my own personal life and I, I have um, a twin brother and sister and they're Puerto Rican. Uh, and my brother, Donnie, is darker than me but my sister danielle you couldn't you wouldn't know that she's puerto rican she's just really light skin and they're twins and so for me i I look at that kind of situation i'm like well clearly they they have the same same dna but it it functions different and so i i started wondering being that the nephilim are offspring of supernatural beings would they have supernatural capabilities and if they had supernatural capabilities, could that be passed on through their sins of whatever they were doing in the book of Enoch? And that kind of brings me all the way back around to Bigfoot, where is Bigfoot some kind of offspring of what happened in those days? And when I operate with those, those thoughts and stuff, and I don't know, I'm happy to be proven wrong. Sure. I just, just think out loud. But when I think about that, I hear people's stories about Bigfoot and how they you know they came across a bigfoot is peeking out behind the tree and all that stuff very physical encounter and then somebody else tells a story of great conviction as well where they're like this thing was translucent like i could see through it and so i started thinking like could these things have abilities that have been passed on through their dna from their origins i don't know I have no idea. I just, I just really feel like the world we live in is far, far stranger than what we have been taught to believe, especially yes. as Christians. Like, the, I grew up in the church, and uh, even like I started recently going back to the church I grew up in, and so it's the same small group of people. I mean, we're talking like thirty people. It's the same people. Recently, one of the guys at the church started looking into this stuff apart from me. Like, I, I started going back. He's like, he found out what I was doing, and he's like, hey, I want to talk about the book of Enoch, all this stuff. But apparently he was talking to some other people that had been there for a long time. And they're like, the Nephilim is barely mentioned in the Bible. It's really not even a thing. Yeah. That's not true, though. <laughs> like, it's not true. Like, yeah. like, there's a lot to be taken from that because, like, they're clearly there before Noah's flood and then after Noah's flood as well. And was it Numbers 13, 33? 
And so like there, there's a clear distinction that they, they did exist after the flood. And, and why is that? How is that even freaking possible? And so like, there's a lot of questions to be had. And then you look at Goliath and it's like, like what, what was Goliath, you know? And then it talks about his relatives also being giants. Mm, right. David came across Goliath's relative in the battlefield. And that relative was yielding a, a new type of weapon, it said. And I'm just like, what is this new type of weapon that a giant is yielding that they never saw before? And then I start thinking again about back to the, the origins of the giants and how they came about. And it's like, it, what is going on here? I, I just feel like there's a lot more to, because I look at the Bible as a very factual book, but I don't think that the Bible encompasses all of history to the detail. I think yeah. there's a lot of spaces and time that things happen that the writers of the Bible just didn't think to write down for whatever reason. I don't know why, but... Yeah, it's almost like you had to have some bullet points to just get through everything, you know? And, yeah. I, and I think an ancient person would... You know, I, I often describe this as like, if you were having a conversation or writing a book nowadays, you don't spend five chapters talking about what an iPhone is, right? You just right. say, I use my iPhone and I Googled something, right? That's kind of how they use these terms in the, in, in the Bible. They're just like, the Nephilim were here and then blah, 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 blah. And it's like, they don't spend 15 chapters saying, well, this is what a Nephilim is because... Everyone knew what one a Nephilim was back then, right? Exactly. And, and if you think about it, so, and I know you guys know this, but maybe for the audience, in the New Testament, we see that the book Enoch was quoted so that we know that the writers of the New Testament, I think it was Paul and somebody else, I know directly, Jude, Jude thank you, uh, directly quoted it. So not that it should be scripture, but mm-hmm. the fact is that they did think highly of, of it enough to include it in their writings to the churches and things like that. Well, it at least influenced their writings, right? Right, it, 100%. And yeah. so why is that, though? It's probably mm-hmm. because the Book of Enoch was something very prevalent at one time in our history. And from, I heard I don't know who I heard say this and stuff, but I heard somebody say that the Book of Enoch uh, predates the Book of Genesis. If that's true then that means to the writer of Genesis, probably Noah, I think most people agree it was, or not Noah, Moses, like he probably had read it, understood it very great, greatly, and the people of his time probably did too. So when he's writing about the Nephilim, they already had the book of Enoch. He didn't, maybe he didn't want to waste, I don't know, papyrus or stone on. on. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, that you, you bring up a lot of good points, like you're over the time, over the five years, six years. Well, obviously you've been into Bigfoot since you were younger. Your thoughts on Bigfoot have evolved and morphed. Yeah. You know, I heard a quote the other day that said, the true sign of intelligence is the ability to change your mind. And every day I'm changing my mind. I'm not saying I'm, you know, oh, that's a sign that I'm intelligent. But I think a lot of people can't. They don't want to change their mind. And for me, I was in a very different place four or five years ago, spiritually. Just had a more progressive bent just kind of viewed the Bible as like, oh yeah, you know, most of this is metaphor, analogies. It's not, this isn't really how it happened, how it went down. And then, I don't know, woke up one day and it was like, the the lights came on, you know, the spirit filled me up. I don't know what you call it, but I just started thinking about these giants and I, and I started, I just dove into Heiser like crazy and went down that rabbit hole. And it was like, whoa, I am, I was completely wrong in how I was reading the Bible the stories, and we've had a few guests say that that you know the Book of Enoch and the Giants, they're the Rosetta Stone of understanding Scripture. And you, if you don't have that piece, it's confusing theology. I also think it's interesting that like <clears throat> to the course of this show, there really, I mean, it becomes evident there's really like two camps of people, right? There's the Doctor Jeff Meldrums that are like, oh, this is like Gigantopithecus, this is an actual animal ape, and then there's people that are like, they call the, like the Woo, which I don't really. 
subscribe to that except they believe there's more of a supernatural element or a something else to Bigfoot that makes him not like a flesh and blood giant ape, even though he may be. And then there's the interdimensional thing and other people talk about UFOs and and all that stuff that associates with Bigfoot. But we've talked to people. We had an episode, Nate, that we didn't release yet. Um, where we talked to somebody who says a Bigfoot disappeared, like fully disappeared right in front of their eyes. Like, and I don't know too many animals that do that, like except for Predator, and they still got him. Um, <laughs> I think you're right. The extra biblical stuff is interesting. We did a couple of episodes about Enoch and talking about how the big aha moment was when they found, you know, copies that the Essenes had in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Then it's not an Ethiopian book. And it's not an 800s medieval, you know, writing. It actually predates, and you talked about this a bit, like we find that like some of the New Testament, Peter and Jude, lift directly from the book of Enoch. Jesus himself quoted the book of Enoch. It gives a lot of validity to it, as it just as a teaching, even just a teaching book. We're not saying it's canonized, but it wasn't available really at the, at the, at the time that they had the Council of Nicaea and they canonized the Bible as we know it. They're, they didn't have copies that, that they could look look at from you know the first century you know BC like they do when, when when we found the Dead Sea Scrolls. So I think it's fascinating to see the knowledge re reappear and then to allow, to allow that. And I say this a hundred times, but allow that to really provide like a full it, it, a full tapestry for the Old Testament, right? Like that it looked a lot more. But like, it is reappearing, you know. That's what I'm saying. It, it is. That's this knowledge is right? coming back. Yeah, it's interesting that it, that it's that these things are returning. And then you have all of the apocrypha and the book of jubilees and all these different these different pieces of knowledge that really i think is a mosaic that really we can look at as teaching material they obviously taught it in the in the first century in synagogues and and temples because jesus was familiar with it as were the disciples and so i think that's in and of itself is is a huge you know endorsement of this being you know part of theology something that we can't ignore it's easy to whitewash and sanitize and, and, and look at the Bible and say, man, it looked a lot like this, except, you know, people were wearing robes and living in tents and, you know, didn't have iPhones and stuff like that. But I, I really think that we, especially pre-flood, we're, we're looking at like, is it, cra- it was crazy town. Like you had giants running around and <laughs> megafauna and all this different stuff that, you know, that seems hard for, for a 21st century human to, to really wrap their head around. It's good to hear Tony's thoughts on it, though, because he's kind of you're describing it like in that chimerical space. And that's kind of where I'm at, Tony, with like my thoughts on Bigfoot is it's in that it's it, it was just a flesh and blood animal. And now it feels like it's more of a an all the above animal, you know? Yeah. And, and that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. I mean, and, you know, I, I'm like I said, I, I'm fine being wrong and I'm fine changing my mind on things. Um, it is what it is. I, I'm like, I'm a podcast host that hosts people's stories. And I, through hearing people's stories, start thinking of ideas of how things operate in this world. And the more I hear, the less I know. And, um, you know, it, it's just like, I, I'm fine with whatever, man. And, uh, the, um, uh, you mentioned about Enoch coming back in time, back into this time and stuff. And I, I was thinking about that too, about, I don't know, about a year or two ago. I found it really interesting and it's like in revelation it talks about one of the witnesses coming back and everybody everybody most people believe i think it even says enoch but if it doesn't most people agree that the one one of the two witnesses coming back is going to be enoch and uh then there's a debate of the second one but a lot of people believe it's going to be moses and um 
what it's talking about there in Revelation of Enoch coming back because God, like God took Enoch. He never died. Right. And uh, I, I just, I find it interesting how the book of Enoch seems to parallel that similar timeline. Like the book of Enoch kind of just, it was gone. I, I, like they, we didn't really even know about it till Dead Sea Scrolls, right? Is that what, that's when they found it again? Yeah, yeah. in the 60s. It's when they had the actual, like it was an Aramaic or whatever. They had, they've, they found like a, what they believe be the original, Man. not trans, not translation, yeah. not Ethiopic. Well, isn't there a verse says this will be needed for a later time? Yep. Or, uh, yeah. The is, very, the very first doing? chapter, the very first chapter Enoch wrote down and he said, uh, this, th- this is not for this time, but for a future time. And, uh, and so it's like, here it is. And why, why, why is it here now? If it's meant for a future time and now is that time. And we also, know that Enoch's can be one of the two witnesses are we entering in the final days and and hey that's something i really think about so con dev one of our listeners wrote a question into you and he said do you think that we are coming closer to the end times because of an uptick in cryptid sightings so there you go that was a question i was going to ask you and (laughs) one of our listeners already asked i I do i do I, i i look at the state of the world and where it's going uh the the lawlessness the well I'm gonna I, I don't want to offend people on your show so I'll I'll, I'll keep it a little tamed down but no you can say I, whatever you want man we brought Tim Alberino on and he blew the wheels oh, off of this show go. yeah so you can say whatever yeah Alberino Tim's a great guy um, I know yeah. I love it so I, I I see what's happening in the world right now it's separate from the Bible just the culture the degradation of our culture the mindset the philosophies that people operate on in our society and it's gotten us to the point where we have leaderships of states like virginia talking about how it's okay and they're gonna they're, they're going to pursue postpartum abortion and that is just not okay in my book we have adjusted the goal line so far since roe v wade and i see things like that and i'm just like golly man like like where where are we going as a society right now because like uh, you guys are all fathers i believe right Uh, nate i was talking to you and yeah i am and so like i i was very libertarian when i first started the podcast very libertarian like i didn't consider myself conservative and i and I, i did like i was like when it came to abortion like I was like, ah, that was like my parents' generation fight. And I just don't, re- I mean, I don't, I didn't, I didn't really feel like it was my cup of tea. Like I was like, whatever. And um, when I had my freaking kids, man, it changed me. It changed mm-hmm. me. It's like, I felt this, this empathy for people who are never going to know the love that I have for my children, not hatred. I don't want to say it's not hatred. Like I know there's a lot of people out there that, that pursue, that think that it's a hatred. It's not for me it's it's more empathetic but um i I just see how we're going and even down to the censorship of our society and things like literally you you can't say certain things without being chastised um when you look at history all the all all the great totalitarian regimes practice heavy censorship Uh, and and so I, i just look at it all and um, and it's weird because it's coming. The people who are yelling, "You're the fascist," are being yeah. the fascists. You know what I mean? That's rules it's, of radicals uh, from Solinsky. 
it, it's, yeah. it's, it's uh, tell, say what, what you're doing, say your enemy is doing. And so when it comes to, you know, you're a Nazi, they call on everybody Nazis when they're the ones actually partaking in activities that the Nazis took part, partook in. And it, it's just very concerning for me. So I look at all that stuff, plus the spiritual nature of our world. And that stuff is more convincing to me that we are approaching that time more than cryptids itself. I always say that, you know, every generation, like the, the thing about it, like, we're going through the coronavirus right now. Uh, you, you, do you think that when that happened early, in the early, uh, what, 1900s, I think it was 1918 when the Spanish flu came out, like there was a lot of Christians in this world seeing lots of people dying. They're like, the end is now. It's over. You know, like mm. every generation says. Well, like the plague. I mean, yeah, I mean, everybody has it, right? Right. And I, and I think what you're talking about, like the infanticide, uh, infanticide stuff too. You're like, I th- I'm like, dude, this is so gnarly and crazy and wrong. Um, then you look back and the Romans were doing it. So everybody, including the disciples, thought they were in the end times, yeah. right? Big time. Big time. But but I go back to, and we talked about this. I don't know what episodes we were talking about this on, but um, to the idea of Israel becoming a nation state uh, in the Fig Tree generation, which I think that stuff didn't exist up until 19... I think it was 1948, uh, wasn't it? 48, sorry, yeah. I think it I think you made a good point too. Like I, someone said this, I'm not going to take credit for it, but historically speaking, it's never the good guys that are banning speech and burning books. Yep. Yep. It's never the good guys. Isn't it um, so crafty though? Like, it, like it, it's so crafty the way they're doing it now. Like I, like I almost admire it because like, like yeah. they have created a culture where people are so scared to be called something that they're now choosing to censor themselves, like that's yeah. Look at look at the dude from uh, Mumford and Sons. He just he, he just he praised and, Andy No No about the he, Andy No wrote a book about Antifa, kind of exposing Antifa and all this stuff. And one of the guitar players from Mumford and Sons, who's English, came out and and he tweeted like something like, "Hey, Andy No, loved your book, great book." He got so much backlash that he apologized Jeez. for liking a book. <laughs> He said he's not. He didn't understand. Now he has to step away from the band for self-actualization because he liked a book that exposed Antifa for what they are. No, and you're right. People are self-censoring, and that's how crazy it's gotten. Like, like look you, at Dr. Seuss. I mean, that was a self-censorship. So the apparently, from what I understand, uh, from the grand scheme of it, Dr. Seuss Enterprise, owned by Dr. Seuss's family, they set it up after he died. They were hearing rumblings, nothing major, but they were hearing that some people had some bad opinions uh, of his work. And so they went out and had a specialist, uh, a group of specialists from school teachers to literary to analyze all the content and see if there's anything offensive. They came back with a list of things and they chose instead of waiting for people to come and, and call them racist and, and make a big deal out of it where, you, where you're the victim, or not the victim, where you're the bad guy in the situation, you jump ahead of it and you cut yourself off, you censor yourself, and now instead of being the bad guy, you're the victor. You're the one that's the hero in the story because you chose to censor yourself. And it's amazing. Like, I, that's what I mean. Like I, like, I almost admire how they constructed our culture because it's like they don't even have to do anything. It's just we're doing it to ourselves. It's amazing, yeah. and it's a weird thing of this going on where it's just like everyone expects humans to be perfect, right? Like we're these perfect beings, and it's and it's coming across like a religion, right? It's it's a movement that's that's 
It's got very high moral standards, impossible to live up to. It's not this age of agnosticism where no one believes anything. It's just, it's almost like its own religion is forming. And that goes into a lot of the conspiracy theories about the end times religion will be a religion. It's not going to be a time where people don't believe something. Oh, they're going to believe something. And it's going to be like we were talking about, like a bastardization of the gospel, which goes along with the bastardization of all the animals that we talk about on our shows. So it's this, it's this weird morph. I think we're, we're, I think people, I think, I don't know. In my lifetime, I think we're, we're the most spiritual we've ever been in my lifetime as a, as a society as a whole. Like people have spirituality left and right. It's just, it's they're creating their own rules, their own religions. And uh, like, I see it a lot with what I do. I'm really actually surprised because it actually, I feel like it makes, you know, whenever I get a chance to talk to people about my beliefs easier, because I'm like, at least we can acknowledge that there is something going on because like everybody seems to believe in something apparently. But yeah. um, my, my dad, uh, about two weeks ago, came down to my house and um, we were talking and out of the blue, he said, you should write a book. And I was like, dad, I'm not writing a book. Like, that's not my, my thing. And then he told me the idea of it. And I was like, that's a kind of a really good idea if nobody's done it before. Uh, he said, you know, because my dad really likes listening to conspiracy stuff and, you know, everything that I do. And um, he said it, he's, he's noticing a very um, distinction here where there's a lot of people in the paranormal or not the paranormal, the uh, conspiratorial world that dive into conspiracies, but are atheists. They don't want to believe there's a God and all that stuff. And then there's mm-hmm. the other side of things where there's a lot of, a, especially the American church. I always say, I always want to identify the American church because I don't know who's listening. I can only speak for what I see in America. And like the American church, they, they say they believe this Bible, but they really don't believe this Bible because the prophecies in the Bible and the things that the Bible says they pick and choose from because some of it can be a little scary. And if, if those people who believe, say they believe the Bible is real and the Bible talks about things like, the end times and what it's going to be like and you start seeing what's happening in our world like how can you not say as a christian that yeah i, I conceive the validity in some of these quote-unquote conspiracies i hate even calling it that and at the same side i personally feel that there is a, a good chunk of people that are in the the conspiracy realm that deny god but want to dive into all these conspiracies like the new world order one world governments and things like that but it's like they, they keep God at a, at a distance because if they go down that road of looking at the scripture when it comes to this kind of stuff, they might have to acknowledge that there is a higher authority. And if you have to acknowledge that, what happens? You got to yield to it. And yeah. that's, that's a humbling thing. Yeah. It's like you can draw the Venn diagram of like Christian yeah. believes in conspiracy, believes in Bigfoot. And we talk a lot about that on our show that just like, yeah. It gets spiritual. It gets into the Bible. It just happens. Yeah. And, and I think all of us, we're, we're truth seekers, right? I think the people out there who are atheists looking into this stuff, they're trying to find the answers. And one of our guests said that the problem is, is our society has been so infected with rationalism and empiricism that we can't read the Bible as a spiritual book. It's become a science book. And if it doesn't fit into what, you, what you've been taught about science, you have to throw it out. And you let the world shape your view of the Bible instead of the Bible shape your view of the world. That's kind of how I how I see it. And you've been doing this for so long. You've been hearing so many weird things on your show. I know that for me, whenever I listen to a pot, there's just like maybe a handful of 
episodes or things that people have said over the years, because I remodeled houses and I binged podcasts for like a decade, all day, every day, doing drywall and stuff. I had to keep my mind going because I was going nuts painting and <laughs> yeah. that whole thing. What are some of the stories that you've heard over the years, like the top few that have just burned a hole in your head and you can't forget them, that have changed you, like how you see the world? Well, the, the one, there's one that I always lead with, and it's because it is hands down the most popular show I've ever done. It's the most mind-bending show I've ever done. I had a guy reach out to me, and he wanted to come on, and he told me that he was former military and was involved, involved in some kind of covert operation he wanted to talk about. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm down, you know, like... I'm not really worried about, you know, what happens afterwards. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, he and I scheduled a time and then about a week out, he canceled and he's like, I don't feel comfortable talking about this. Sorry. And that was it. Like, because I, I emailed him back. I'm like, OK, no problem. Let me know if you want to do it any other time. And he never emailed me back. And then it had to be it was a while later. He emailed back and he said, I think I'm ready. I think we can do this. And he actually did. He came on the show is episode 122. And he, he starts out telling his, his experience of getting into the military and how he wound up in this position of becoming a, a, like a, a tech expert in a very specific field for the military. They get orders one day. Him, they, they would go out on these missions where it was like everybody had a very specific skill and they would have scientists that would come with them from different universities uh, on these, these missions. And this was really not much different from what I remember. And... Um, they go out and I, I still, I still don't know where, I don't know where the location is. And I, and sometimes I feel like it was outside of this country. And sometimes I feel like it was inside this country, but, um, they went out to retrieve, well, generally retrieve a downed aircraft. That's all they knew. The reason why I feel like it's from another country is because they had to get there by boat. But he said some other things to me, and I don't want to go too deep into it because I, I, I don't remember if he said it off air or not. Anyways, they, they, they spend, I think it was like a two-day journey going in, hiking into this location. And when they get to it, he, he said that this was a craft that nobody ever saw before. It was unrecognizable. And wherever they were, it was really hot out. He said, but when you touched it, it was cold to the touch. And it had like these different kind of checkered panels all over it. They, they go inside and he said the technology was nothing he's ever seen before. And there was language written that he didn't recognize. And he had like a manual of like everything he needed to know. And it was in different languages and stuff. So you could decipher it. And he's looking through his manual. He's trying to find this language so he can figure out how to operate it so he can get the information off the, the hard drive or computer or whatever. And the one scientist comes over to him and says, you're not going to find that in there. And he's just kind of like shrugged it off. He's like, whatever, dude. And he just keeps flipping through. And the, the scientist doubled down and slammed his hand on, his, on, his, on the book. And he said, I'm telling you, you're not going to find it in there. Get your stuff done and let's get out of here. 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 On the show, he said Enochian. I didn't know Enochian was anything. I, I thought he was saying Enochian. So when I called the show Enochian Technology, I think I might have been wrong. But, the, but he said on the show, it's Enochian. It's a, it's a, he said that's a, the scientist told him that's Enochian language. 
And he's like, well, what's that? And he said, it's a demon language. Get your stuff together and let's get out of here. And so they got their stuff together. They left. They, they put thermite on it and basically burned it to the ground. And hiking back, he had a lot of trippy things happen to him and his crew. Now they split up into groups. They heard gunfire one night and they thought that one of the groups was under fire. They, they saw, um, he saw these like orange lights, like eye, eye lights peeking from behind trees, like, like, um, I mean, not peeking from behind trees. I think he saw them, them, them actually marching through the woods or something. And it was like, uh, they were, he said it looked like they were soldiers with like headgear on. We were talking about this. He gets back to the ship and he experienced like time slips. Like it was like time froze around him where he, like nothing's moving, nobody's moving, but he's moving. And he, he gets called into like a, a conference room. Their crew just got back. They're sitting down with the captain and the captain's going over their next mission. And he, he kind of thought it was a little, it's like, we just got back, you know, like, you know, cause they, they, they were gone for a few days because they kind of got lost and everything. And they're sitting down and the captain says, we need to go out into wherever they just came from and look for a crew of men that we have that are lost out there. And he's looking around and he's like, we're all here. What are you talking about? And it seemed like from what I, from what I remember, it seemed like the, that captain was talking about going out and looking for him who was there in that moment. Hmm. And it was like this whole trippy, like mind bending thing. This experience that he had scared him so bad that when he got out of the military, he left the country. Like he doesn't live in the country anymore. And over the years, I, I kept in communication with him and I'm telling you right now, he is a handy person to know because uh, there's been times that I needed to find somebody and they're ghosts on the internet. And I just give him a name and he comes back with home addresses, things like no that. I'm not kidding you. I'm not Dude. kidding you. Uh, and so like, uh, he's a handy guy to know and be friends with. But um, he, he uh, most recently, I did an episode uh, called The Mysterious Egress Industries, and it kind of plays with Charlie from episode 122 a little bit here. So Mysterious Egress Industries, I had a guy, two guys on the, on the show. They're from another podcast called The Hollow Sky Podcast, and they do similar things, but it's, it's, it's not the same kind of format that I have. And they were looking on Reddit for some you know trippy things to talk about on the show. And they came across what's called dream flyers. And these dream flyers ask questions like, you know, have you ever had hallucinations, Dif different trippy kind of things like that. And at the bottom, there's a number, say, call this number if you're having these kind of experiences. And so they thought it might be fun for the show. So Steve, one of the co-hosts gets a burner phone and uh, he texts the number and uh, uh, they get a response back. And I, I forget the whole layout of how everything went, because this is a long episode as well like the first one i just talked about was like a two and a half two and a half hour show and the mm -hmm. one i'm just talking about now is probably like an hour and a half two hours so um but over time they're they're dabbling in this and they're involved in the reddit community talking about this and somebody on reddit connected them with a guy named bob who uh was also having very similar experiences to them so they go and they meet up with bob virtually like this and they uh do an interview for the hollow sky podcast. And during that interview, Bob gets uh, a text message from egress from the to his phone, telling him to say to basically said, uh, tell the hollow sky guys, hello. 
And it's like, so whoever is operating the egress industries knew that Bob was talking to them. And then I, yeah, it was the same conversation. They, they freaked out. And there was a couple of text messages that Bob got that uh, during that conversation together with them that uh, were Alistair Crowley quotes. And um, so then Steve gets a text message to his burner phone that doesn't have his name attached to it. And it basically addressed him as who he was. And so it knew that the burner phone was Steve. And then as the time the story goes on, Kyle starts getting text messages and he never used his phone ever for this. And then Kyle's coworkers started getting text messages about Kyle and his relationship with Egress Industries. And so it was this big trippy thing. And uh, we're still trying to figure out. I talk to the guys every once in a while. We have like, you know, uh, Zoom meetings. If it's, if it's going down the route of uh, the Randonautica app that came out like last year, where it was basically using some kind of, uh, I don't want to say sorcery, that's too um, generic, but it was, it was using not, not stuff that I, I don't feel comfortable messing with. If it starts going down that road, that's where me and Kyle, at least, we're, we're, bow, we're bowing out. We're not going down that road. Steve, he's a little crazy, so he might still go. But um, we're talking and about all this stuff. And uh, Charlie from episode 122 texted me and said, I listened to the Eagerst Industries show. And to me, it sounds like it's, and I'm, I'm not going to quote this exactly, but he said, it's, to me, it sounds like it's a NSA AI self-learning communication program or something like that. And I'm like, well, Charlie's saying it, so I'm going to pay attention to what Charlie's saying. And, uh, and so I arranged a time for me, Charlie, and the guys to get together, and we all talked. And Charlie went into all this stuff. What was trippy about that, I mean, there was, we went into a lot of things. Like Charlie showed us a website that actually advertises for human cloning. Uh, so that was interesting, uh, we, you know, but uh, during this whole conversation and stuff on the show, when I recorded with those guys about Egress Industries, uh, they told me before the show and during the show, we didn't do this. The guy said, we're just going to co- call him Bob because we don't want to expose who he is because we haven't heard from him in a while and we don't know what, where he's at with all this. And it turns out that Bob did listen to the show and he was extremely mad that they talked about him on the show. He's like, I don't want anything to do with this. I'm done. And what's interesting is that when we were talking to Charlie, Charlie brought up Bob, but he brought up Bob's full name. And I just, I heard it, I let it go, and we're just talking and stuff. And then uh, Charlie said something, and I just kind of cut him off. I said, dude, I know you looked into all this stuff. It, like, you don't need to try to, to, to prove it to me. And he's like, how, how do you mean? And I was like, uh, you use Bob's full name and we didn't use that on the show, which tells me you already looked into Bob. You know exactly who he is. He's like, he kind of laughed. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know exactly who he is. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, that, that was obviously, uh, um, a trippy show as well. When we talk about this hmm. language, is that connected to the Anunnaki, like the whole Babylonian stuff? Is that, is that the language that, I, is there a connection between this? Cause I don't know that term at all. Yeah. But it Cause sounds it sounds like, like Enochian and Anunnaki. They kind of have the same. Yeah. yeah. Does it, have to do it, with- it might. Now I was just talking to a guy about this a couple nights ago. He, he's the, he's the owner of fringe FM and uh, I, I was relaying this stuff to him. And when I said Enochian, not Enochian, Enochian, he, he just like, Oh yeah. Cause like this guy, he, he, he 
he goes into the esoteric stuff. He, he knows a lot more than me. And I, and I kind of stopped him. I was like, hold on a second. So Enochian is a thing. And he's like, yeah, it is. I'm like, so that's probably what he was talking about. I'm not exactly sure what, because he, he said somebody, somebody's name started with a D and I'm just like, I don't know who that is. Like, you know, but um, yeah, yeah I, I don't, I don't know. But because uh, I, I do remember looking into the Enochian language and I did see that it was uh, referred to as, I think it was like the language of the angels or something like that. Hmm. And so when you, you know, I was like, okay, well, maybe that's, you know, something similar, you know, but it, it's, it's interesting when I hear these kind of stories. And then after like, you know, people hear the story on the show, but I just provided to you guys a lot of context of things that, I, that happened between me and Charlie outside the show that really right. validates who Charlie is. And so it's just like, for me, I'm just like, and on top of it, here's another thing for you. Uh, he, like I said, he moved from this country. He doesn't feel comfortable here anymore. I know he's in another country because one, every time I talk to him, it's nice and sunny out and it's dark here in the middle of the night. And I have his number and it's not our, uh, you know, our type of number. And on top of that, he reached out to me after that episode aired. Now, that was, like I said, was the biggest show I've ever done by far. It had almost 100,000 downloads the first week. Like, it was insane. Wow. It just went everywhere. And that show was huge to the point that people in our government heard it. <laughs> and, and he got visited in the country that he's at by our government. And uh, he lawyered up. And when he sat down with, because he was approached by his local police and they said that so-and-so is here and they want to speak with you. We need you to come in and talk. And he's, and I, I forget how, how it all unfolded timeline wise, but he wound up getting a lawyer and showed up with a lawyer. And uh, because he had a lawyer there, he couldn't, they couldn't talk freely to him about exactly what they wanted to talk about. But they were asking him questions like, do you have any uh, ambitions to harm the United States of America? All this stuff. And so like, I actually have an interview with him that hasn't aired yet talking about all this stuff. He, uh, he didn't want it going public though. So it's going to be a members only show and I'm saving it for when I, the week I drop my app and all that stuff. But um, yeah, Charlie's an interesting guy. He's an interesting crazy guy. I love that you didn't lead him. with like some weird Bigfoot story because it sounds like you've so much further down the rabbit hole. <laughs> you know what I mean? And a lot of people, they stop at Bigfoot, you know, that's as far down the rabbit hole as they can go. And you're talking about, ancient technology languages and the fusion of demonic realms yeah. with technology. Yeah. And that brings up a, a question that comes up on our show all the time about like the days of Noah. And a lot of people think that, you know, in the end guys like Ellie Marzulli where technology and demonology, all this stuff fuses into this one encompassing where you put AI into your brain and then suddenly you're on their link. You've, 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 you've turned yourself into a Nephilim. And you've created yourself into an abomination. And that's that's like the ultimate end of the rabbit hole is yeah. becoming Nephilim, turning yourself into... Uh, what was like, that? Alberino. That's what t Tim talks about. Yeah, Tim right, talks right? about like that. Like the, yeah. the, the usurping of of our dominion yep. by removing our humanity. Yeah. Which I always think is a fascinating, fascinating... And I had friends like, dude, I can't handle that episode. And I'm like, well... You know, just stick around for Bigfoot for another three years and then you'll be able to handle it because <laughs> yeah. it just takes a while. Well, that, you know, and that's great because people need to hear this stuff. Would you fear for your safety at all? I mean, that's that's the next question is like you get attacked, either spiritually attacked or people break into your house or it gets. I mean, Luke, how weird do we want to go with our show, man? Is that? Gonna <laughs> uh, I know? mean, I, that was one of the questions I was going to ask is like, 
you know, you said you draw a line. Like, and I, I've had enough experience, I think, with the darkness to know that, like, there's places I don't want to go, right? And because you just, you don't. There's no reason to mess with that, with, with some of that stuff. I also know, too, though, that what the reality is, if you're not a threat to the kingdom of darkness, um, then you're not really walking in your faith. And so I, some in some ways, expect some of that because, you know, if you're not a threat to the kingdom of darkness, then there's, the enemy doesn't have a lot of reason to mess with you, I don't um, think. I mean, early on, I, I used to worry about that stuff when I first started doing because I'm the kind of guy, like... You got a bodyguard now? Well, no, I don't. <laughs> I've had offers, though. Uh, <laughs> but, um, no, I, I early on, I knew that uh, doing this show... I, I might come across interesting topics that could be more sensitive. And uh, I'm the kind of person, I just always say, I'm like a kid in a candy store, man. Like, I can't help myself. Like, if I see something nice and juicy, I got to reach out and grab it. And so that could be my downfall one day, possibly. I don't necessarily right now. Early on, I kind of felt like, oh, uh, you know, because you're feeling the waters out. You really don't know what's the heavier, heavy hitters and stuff. And then when I did do that episode 122, it's called Secret Military Knocking Technology, by the way. I don't think I actually said the whole show title. But when I did that, I was like, if, if anything's going to put me on a radar, it's this. And yeah. it did to it a certain extent. Now, I've, mm. never, had, I've never been approached by anybody um, about that. I have been approached early in the show. I'm talking like probably within the first 20, 30 episodes when I first started and the show was growing and I was kind of really going hard on trying to get my name out there. I was approached by a CIA informant and he was very friendly with me and I was very ignorant to a lot of this stuff. I mean, I was just like, oh, hey man, that's a cool job. What's it like? You know, like I didn't know. Right. He befriended me and he, he became sinister. Um, he, he would... Damn. So when, when, he, when he first started talking to me, he said that he likes what I do and there are people that he knows that like what I do. And they wanted to fly me into DC and have a sit down with them about talking to me about some information about Nephilim giants in Afghanistan. And he told me stories from his end. And I was like, man, if you're going to pay for the ticket, I'll go, you know, like, and I told people and they're like, you need to bring somebody. I'm like, ah, it's gonna be fine. It's DC. They got cameras everywhere. It's fine. In the process of arranging that stuff, he had told me a couple stories. One that... Um, Is this like via text, email, phone, phone calls? calls? Yeah. Okay. He told me that the Moab bomb that Trump dropped in the beginning of his presidency was meant for ISIS, but it was like a dual reason. He said that in the mountains that they dropped that uh, they did have issues with mountain giants in that area. <laughs> And so Nate, Nate, <laughs> settle down, Nate. Yeah, that's what I love. Nate does love the mountain giants. <laughs> they, uh, they, they, he told me it was a dual thing. It's that red hair. <laughs> there you go. Uh, distant relatives. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> that they would be observing towns at night and they would see through their scopes these giant creatures run out of town up into the mountains at night and he said when you talk to the townspeople that they they're very aware of these these giants and uh he said that they would cover like a mile in a matter of like a second to it's not a second seconds to a minute like it's just extremely fast remind me to tell you about the afghanistan chinese border at some point so 
he's telling me this stuff and we're talking about arranging me to go to DC. He calls me one day and he said that he had a proposition for me. And I said, what's that? And he said, he, the people that he talks to and stuff, they're wondering if I would be interested in maybe one episode out of 10 uh, releasing a disinformation episode. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, and I'm new in podcasting. Like I'm trying to do this like, and have fun doing it and all that stuff. And, and he's like, they're willing to pay you. Fake? Are you? I mean, like fake news? But yeah, fake news. Like 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 stuff that's not real. Wow. And um, he he said uh, five hundred thousand dollars, possibly a million. And I was like, I don't think so, bro. And I got scared. And so I ended the conversation with him and I'm in my pickup truck. And as soon as I'm done with him, I call my dad and I'm like, dad, I need you to talk to me. Like, and I told him what happened. And my dad's just like, Tony, you're on a good path right now. He said, you're really hustling with this. Just do it the right way. And I was like, you're right. You're right. And so I never, I was like, I'm never going to contact this guy again. And after that conversation, he never contacted me again. Hmm. I did see him popping up online though over the years talking bad about me and how do you know it was him well because i knew who he was beforehand like like i i mm -hmm. i had did you get charlie on him no yeah i should i should <laughs> that's a great idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i got yeah, like you got your guys i got my guys oh yeah yeah, yeah hey, that's a man. great idea <laughs> lieutenant dan offshore let's go right, that's yeah. a great idea and if there's an update i'll let you guys know well i appreciate that now, I will say this, that stuff, you know, on the topic of do you worry about your safety? Mm -hmm. Sure, maybe. I got a potential project that if I decide to pursue it, I'm going to be very worried about my safety. Just mm. To be very general, I am in communication with a man. I, I talk to him on the phone who's known to either be missing, nobody knows where he's at, or he's dead. And he is on... Uh, JFK Jr. Epstein? No, 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 no. <laughs> but you're getting warmer. And, uh, it, yeah. it's, it, I actually went to college with his son. And so I'm in the dorm rooms and his son drops this big bombshell on me as we were kids. We were like, mm. about who his dad was. And I was like, get out of here. Get out of here. And he showed me some evidences of it that he had. And I was like, whatever. And I went home and told my dad the story. He's my sounding board. And my dad just looked at me like, I remember I'm sitting in my chair at the table, which was at one end. My dad's chair is at the other. And he's standing. And he just, sta standing at the end of the table, he just looked at me right in the eyes. He said, Tony, I would not doubt anything that he's telling you. And I'm just like, what? You know? Is it Wait, is it Jimmy Hoffa? <laughs> Even if you guessed it, I wouldn't say. It. Yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and what do you what well, do you say to the skeptics right now? People going, "This isn't true." That's this fine. Isn't... That's fine. Like, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, like, I know. Like, I I just don't care what people think. Like, I know personally, I'm not saying anything that I that's not true. Well, I mean, this is a this this raises a big part of uh, of where I came with Bigfoot. Is like, I just didn't think everyone was lying. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. have to get really good at sniffing out BS, and I, I like I don't get any of those flags right now. And 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 especially with people telling Bigfoot stories, they're just like that guy's not lying. You yeah. know, I know that guy's not lying, and that's a big part of it, right? I'll, I'll say I'll say this for anybody who maybe is skeptical. I don't know if this helps them or not. 
this person said that, and he has court documents and everything of his life story, which is crazy. He said to me, if he, if, if, if I want to, you know, he'll work on, he's 68 years old right now. He's an old man, but uh, he'll work on getting his documents together and I can come to him, we'll work on putting something together to release. I don't feel real comfortable. Like I, like I'm really like, cause I got a family now, you know, when I started talking right. to him, I didn't have kids. It's just my wife. If I die, she'll marry a freaking doctor. Cause she learned her lesson the first time. You know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> like, it is what it is. But um, now that I got the kids, it's different. I contacted Project Veritas about this and I told them mm. what it's all about. And I said, I don't know if you guys are interested in this. I know you guys kind of do more of like the exposing media stuff. And uh, the person got back to me right away, which I was surprised. And they said, we're absolutely interested in this if he's willing to talk to us. And so now the next step is to talk to him to see if he'd be willing to talk to Project Veritas. I don't know if he knows who they are and if he'd be comfortable with that. But if, there w- if he's willing to talk to them, I'm going to take probably a backseat to this whole thing and let them handle it because they got dozens of lawyers. I got zilch, you know? That's a yeah. Idea. yeah. I, I just, That's uh, smart. I, I, I let them handle it. You know, they're used to being in the spotlight and fire and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. Anyways. There you That's go. crazy, man. You know, you get people calling you up all the time and, you know, you deal with the deep state and you start going down those rabbit holes. And, and Nate, you just get like just crazy Bigfoot people that call you. I know. We're not cool <laughs> yet. We're, we're, we're getting well, there. I mean, cool enough for that. <laughs> Listen. I, I mean, it's, it's some, I mean, blurry creatures. So we're, we, I like our fences, you know, we, we can get out of it a little bit, but if we get too weird, you know, I guess it goes against our, I don't know. You, you have more of a confessional, the, the confessionals to me sounds like, People want to get something off their chest and they come to you and they just want to unload because they have no one else to unload on. Yeah. They want so, someone to hear. Yeah. So Tony creatures, man, what do you got? What's the best, what is the, what are the most compelling things you've heard about? So in this space, there's uh, this one story and there's, I, I have, I've talked to a lot of people when it comes to the creature stuff. I, all right. So we'll talk, I'll talk about maybe a couple of different categories here recently. And it, it, it's really escaping me because with everything that I do, I mean, when I release an episode, by the time it's out to the public, I'm already working on something else. Yeah, oh yeah. So sometimes it's hard to keep a track of everything. And you got like, what, 400 episodes already? So Yeah, three, I just came out 320 today. Um, but all your bonus content, I'm guessing you have. No, I, I, I count. like So like today was 320 member show, so Tuesday will be 321. I just keep it all. Okay. Stuff. Uh, it's easier for me to my brain. Yeah, yeah. So there was this lady who contacted me i called the show the roof walker and she detailed this experience where it seemed like she was describing a dog man but if i remember correctly she really wasn't comfortable like talking like it was a fit, definite dog man type creature i know where this all came from now okay now i got it um and she described how she would see the doorknobs on her house turning and it would try be trying to come in but it it like you would think that if it's a dog man, just a wild beastly creature with no rules or of, of anything, it could just bust the door in if you wanted to. But th- it was more like along the lines of terrorizing. I call it the roof walker because it would constantly walk all over the roof and loud thudding and everything like that. And I mean, I had her on my show twice, once publicly and then private show. And both times when we talk about her experiences, like she just starts sobbing. And I know her more personal now since I've gotten to know her and stuff and, I, and her life's been really rough like paranormal stuff aside it's been really rough and then when you have that on top of it I can't imagine like just 
I don't know how she handles it. But the, again, the Hollow Sky guys, they went and did a uh, overtime segment with me where they talked about their paranormal experiences away from Egress Industries. And Kyle described almost an identical situation that, as her to the point that the first lady heard Kyle's story because she's a member of my website. And she contacted Kyle and was talking to him about their experiences because it was just so close together. And so that to me was just like something that really stood out. But uh, as far as Bigfoot goes, the thing that really sticks out in my head, and again, a, a lot of things stick out in my head in the sense that I like how things kind of come together sometimes, you know? And so when I started the Pennsylvania Sasquatch research, that group, uh, and I'm not, I'm not involved anymore. I pass it on to other people. There was a lady who contacted me from the Harrisburg area of Pennsylvania. Harrisburg's the state capital, but she was on the outside and it's very rural. And she's telling me how she has this Bigfoot that comes up to her window at night. It's every night and they come to the, to, to the house and their eyes are glowing and they're looking in through the window and all this stuff. And back then I was like, Bigfoot's a physical creature. This lady's bonkers. She's crazy. I, and, and, and I, and cause I was like, because I, I live like maybe an hour and a half from her. And I was like, part of me was like, oh, I kind of want to go out there just to s- see how crazy her uh, she is, you know, like, and I was talking to some people and I was like, you know, hey, th- you, know, you want to go on a field trip? You know, and my wife is like, you better be careful because if she's crazy. Who knows what else she's going to try doing? I'm like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so something happened. Probably my, my I probably got disinterested and I didn't go. So fast forward like three or four years on podcasting. And this lady contacts me in, on the podcast and she tells me her story again, which was identical to what she told me years ago. And she didn't realize who I was. She didn't realize that I was the same guy that ran that Bigfoot group that she, she was talking mm. to years ago. And now she's talking to me now because she found my podcast. And so she tells me this whole story again. I'm like, I've heard this story before. And I'm thinking to myself, hold on a second. So I go back on my Facebook messenger and I'm searching around different key terms and stuff, trying to pull crap up. And then her name just popped in my head. And I was like, ah, oh, so I found her and I'm reading the email and the Facebook messenger. And I'm just like, this is the same story. And now because I'm further along in my thought process and I don't totally disregard people when they say Bigfoot's anything other than just a physical creature leaving footprints in the woods that we can't keep up with, but it is a physical creature, but we just can't find it anywhere. Like, I think different now. And right. so I was like, let me talk to this lady. And I wish I could tell you what episode it was because I don't remember. It was a really good conversation I had with her because when I was talking with her, this lady was completely of sound mind. And she just had this experience where at her mom's house, when she moved back to her mom's house for a little while, these things were coming up to the house and looking at the window to her. And when she actually opened up the blinds one night, she got enough guts to open up the blind. She was looking through something like it, like, like it was translucent, like a predator. And then I had a guy recently, just recently, like episode three, something I called the show, the predator. He was an X one percenter. And uh, if anybody doesn't know what that is, it's, it's a bike gang but it's like the real deal bike gang. That's why they call it one percenters. So like, cause 99% of bike games are harmless and they're good guys. The one percenters are the bad guys. The, the, the ones they make movies about. So he got kicked out of that gang because uh, his girlfriend at the time was sleeping with another member. He got mad, did things that he shouldn't have done. They kicked him out of the gang. So he starts his own gang 
Well, oh, you got to be real bad to kicked out of one percent gang. Oh yeah, 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 dude. Yeah. I mean, that's. Uh, I, I, him and I had long conversations off air and stuff. And I, I'm telling you, he has stories, wow. but uh, but there's stories that he just doesn't. He can't talk about publicly. Um, but like that gang that he was in made big news nationally. Um, I think it was like a tw- I, mid 2000s. I think it was for bad things. So he's tell he tells this story how he got kicked out of the gang. He starts his own gang, which was like a burglary gang where they would, they would go into people's houses during the day take, on trash day, take their stuff out to the curb and put it next to the trash. And then they would pay somebody else to come along and pick up that, that, that stuff off the curb next to the trash. And that way, if they ever did get caught, it would be just breaking and entering, not actually theft. And so he had this whole thing down. So the police catch on to him. They already know who he was from the gang. And he goes on the run. And so his girlfriend at the time had a dad who had lived on a property out in the middle of nowhere in Indiana. Like he, like he said, it was like nine miles of a dirt road to get to this place. The dad said, yeah, you can stay here because he wasn't real friendly with the law. He said, but I got to tell you that, that this, this land has some weird things on it. And so the dad tells him that, you know, he's been charged by like Native American um, apparitions and things like that. And he's like, man, I'm not scared of that stuff, whatever. And so he spends about nine months on this property and he starts finding arrowheads and things like that, that he found a guy in town that would pay him like $25 an arrowhead. And that's how he was making money. And he was just wandering around the woods. He would find these mounds and he would find these weird, there's weirdly large bones. He came across something that was translucent twice. The first time he came across it, it scared him but it really wasn't much of anything other than a, a quick glimpse, pretty much. And the second time, he could see this gigantic figure that's translucent. And when it took off, he said you could actually see the, the high grass split as it was running through. And he said it took off like that. It was just so fast. And it scared him so bad. Now, remember, he's on this property running from the law. They're looking for him to arrest him. He calls his mom and says, mom, come pick me up. And she said, I can't pick you up. The police have been here three times this week. You'll get arrested. He said, I don't care. I'm not staying another day on this property. And Mm -hmm. he he went and chose to get arrested and put in jail than stay on that property any longer. And so he's in jail and he becomes a Christian in jail, calls his girlfriend and says, hey, you're going to start going to this church. And when I get out, we're going to get married. And that's what they, that's what they did. And, uh, and he, he, uh, he actually, it just, when I, when I was talking to him, he was only a couple weeks old. He had started like this, like homeless ministry and stuff, but he has a crazy, crazy paranormal life experience that we covered in the overtime. That is nothing compared to the the predator. I got to ask. So when you say transparent, I mean, all you Photoshoppers out there, it's like someone takes the opacity and just takes it down. Are we talking like, 10% 10% you can see through? I mean, how, what's the gauge? I mean, can you just, is it like a ghost? Is it a silhouette or is it like just 50%? Like, I, what I don't, do you think? The way I picture it is when I hear these stories and stuff, especially like the way he described it and, and the way um, Melissa described it from that other episode, both times it seemed like it wasn't like the opacity. It wasn't like they took it down to like, you could barely see it. it yeah. More like it looked like there was something shape wise there but you just couldn't see it i'll tell you another story here like a blob like a like yeah like, like well like it's i guess like morphing the 
the, the the background almost yeah and so there's an and they don't think this is like bigfoot they're just saying it's just something well weird i don't know what sounds like bigfoot to me personally i don't know what it is okay the lady that was on the show the only thing she could equate it to was bigfoot she called it bigfoot um when when uh uh i can't remember what i called him on the show it was a different name uh, i think it was junior uh when when junior was on the show talking about his predator experience he um he didn't call it bigfoot I brought up the topic of Bigfoot to him because of the similarities of what things I've heard. Uh, but he didn't call it Bigfoot. He called it a creature or a monster or something like that. I don't remember what exactly he called it. Years ago, I think it was like 2010, uh, there was this YouTube channel, uh, Barb and Gabby. And this lady would take her dog Gabby out and they would go Bigfooting and stuff. And they took a new lady out with them. And this new lady, they're filming everything. And this new lady, she sees like this black creature come down out of the uh, out of the tree, and she said it looked like a like a like a monkey. And so I, I don't know if it was a baby Bigfoot or what, but like she saw it was black fur. She saw it. She brought their attention, and they they're filming around. They don't see anything. So they're walking back, and you hear them talking about how they were filming it. They'll check it out when they get back to the campsite. There they actually did film uh, that that area that she saw it. And you see something in that video. But what you see, she saw something very physical. It was black. What you see in the video was translucent. You literally see something translucent moving in the video. But you, it, it, there's no black anywhere. But on the way back to the campsite when they went to go review the film, they were talking about looking for a black creature because she saw something black. But in the video, there, it's, there's nothing black. It's translucent. And so that, that leaves a whole nother layer because people talk about Bigfoot and cameras and all that stuff. I'm just like, I don't freaking know. Let's yeah. just talk about it, you know? <laughs> so That reminds me of like the end of Missing 411, the last video he did, The Hunted. There's that scene in the end where the lady said she was, in the, she was hunting in the deer stand and it was just this translucent thing, you know, in the trees behind her. And that's the thing. You stay in this space long enough, you hear these stories, the, the, the ones that the biologists have a harder time with. And what do you think is the difference between the biologists who scoff and, and laugh at the paranormal stories and accounts? I mean, they, is it just that they, they can't scientifically define what that is? Because, I mean, it sounds like when you look at like Sasquatch and Dogman and these other creatures, it kind of brings me back to the beginning of our episode when you were talking about the chimera or the, the Nephilim. That maybe Dogman was like a part wolf and then some supernatural entity procreated with it. And maybe Bigfoot was an ape and some supernatural entity mated with it. And Spirit father, right? Yeah. I mean, is it that easy? I mean, is that where our minds go? Like, that, that seems to be the most, like, the, the one description that in kind of encompasses, like, what these things can do and what they do do. I just, I, I love Jeff Meldrum. He was, it was great talking to him. It was great to have the science. But it's just, I can't stay there. I got to keep going. I got to move past that. I, I guess the science guys, they, they really don't jive well with me. Because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not a science guy. Like, I, I don't pretend to be a science guy. I don't pretend to be a guy that understands scientific theories and all that stuff. It's just not me. And, and quite frankly, it bores, bores me like crazy. Like, I, I don't think like that. I, I, I am um, much more along the lines because of my faith and everything. I believe that. Well, I believe in a supernatural God who created a world supernaturally. And I believe that there are supernatural things that have happened and still happen in this world. And so because I believe that, I don't I, like, like, like we're not going to be on the same page on things because they're trained to think a certain way that one, I'm not trained. And two, I think 
the exact opposite of what they think as yeah. far as how the world operates and stuff. Like they don't, like it's hard for them to entertain stuff. But then I do hear scientists like Michu Kaku talking about how we do dabble in parallel universes. Like when, you know, he's a, he's a world-renowned, I think, physis, physicist, and, and he's talking about how we dabble in parallel universes. And then that brings it all the way back to full circle of, okay, so maybe our, our conversations that we have over time about CERN and what they're doing there, maybe it's not so crazy, you know? And so I, I just think that there's a big difference in thought process between somebody like me and a scientist like Dr. Meldrum. And I, I talked to Dr. Meldrum on uh, the Tinfoil Hat podcast a few months ago. And, I, and, and, and Sam brought me on kind of to maybe help facilitate conversation around the topic of Bigfoot. And so I, I, I did what I do, you know, and I asked him questions. I was like, you sure. know, what, what do you think about the idea of, uh, uh, I asked him about Dogman. He said he didn't have much about that. But I asked him about um, the paranormal aspect of Bigfoot, people talking about these things. And uh, he really didn't have much to say on it, you know. One thing that kind of got me surprised, and I don't know if you said it on your show, he seems to believe that all these creatures all over the world, like the, the Yeti, the Yowie, like in Russia, and like all, they're, they're all different creatures. They're not Bigfoot. And I was just like, huh. And I, maybe they're not. I don't know. I, I just, I always was under the assumption that when just basing off the description of these things, that they're at least in the same family, you know. But uh, and, and maybe I misunderstood him. But it, to me, it sounded like he was saying that uh, that I know he said they're not Bigfoot. And I was just like, I was like, wow, really? Like, I just assumed that they were Bigfoot, just different names for different regions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, some of those have like three toes and. Yeah. Tony. Afghanistan, Chinese border. Oh, oh yeah. There's a guy who listens to the show who's in the military. He's he's uh, I think he might be stationed. Good job, Luke. I think he might be stationed in Afghanistan now because I think he went back. Uh I, I don't know like the ranks and stuff, but he's a higher ranked person. And I, I actually met him in Houston. I did a live show in Houston. And he came out and I got to meet him. He had told me that in Afghanistan, there's a short space of land. It's, I think it's about 30 miles. That's the, literally the border between Afghanistan and China. And, and on the China side, that, I think that's where a lot of the uh, atrocities happen through the Chinese government and what they're doing to the, like, the Uyghur Muslims. Because you got to think like that's a very heavily Muslim area. Right. Um, but he said that in the, that, that is a, um, if I remember correctly, it's a, like a, a national force almost like a, like a, like a nature reserve. And he said that in those mountains, there are giants there and, uh, the locals know about it. They talk about it and they suggest people not to go up there. He's like, he said, they don't, they don't go up there because there's giants there. And so it's a very specific area. When you look at the map and you find that border, it's very tiny. And so it, if I, if I had the money to send somebody or whatever, like I just wish I had somehow a, a, an ability, like maybe if I had, uh, what's his name? Josh, uh, Josh Gates. If I, Josh had, Gates. if I had his cell phone number, like Josh, you got to go to this location next, you know, but right. um, it, they, that's a very specific area. Is that, is that near Kandahar when we talk about the Kandahar giant and all that? Is that the same area or is that a different? I don't know, I, I, know my I'm Afghanistan sure. geography too well. I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure. I've been to Afghanistan. Like, I, and it's strikingly beautiful and also rugged and remote. It's really, I've been to, to Kabul, which is the capital. But even in Kabul, you, when you're, you're looking around, it's, it's, it's crazy or it's a high elevation. and It's just so remote out once you get outside the city, which is not huge either. I mean, you don't know what's out there. I guess it's like a lot like what we hear about in Canada 
with with Sasquatch is that they're just so when it gets so remote, you know, it's might as well be the bottom of the ocean. We know so little about what's out there. Were you there in the military? No. No. Okay. I was there with a with my buddies in PO. We were doing we we're doing hearing aids for people that can't hear out in in, in Kabul with like with a guy that owned the biggest telecom. It was kind of a crazy story, man. We were in this, we had double bomb doors on our, on the compound, 50 cal on top of the building. We had 30, 30 armed guards with AKs that, you know, watched the property and we were supposed to go to the market one day. And I'm thinking, man, dude, I'm like this huge white dude. Like there's no way they can like the people aren't going to look at me like, what are you doing here in Afghanistan? Um, <laughs> but there ended up being a bombing that morning. So we didn't even go to the market. Dang. Which I don't know if I was relieved about that or not, but it, dude, it's a crazy place, man. I imagine. I mean, I, yeah. I I'm the kind of guy like the idea of leaving the country right now scares me. I'm just like, I, this country, this country scares me, but I'm a little nervous because I don't know how to operate outside this country culturally, and I don't want to do something yeah. that's gonna want you know get me in trouble. You know, <laughs> so I just I was 2017 when I was there, and really? it yeah, and it I don't know, man. I love leaving and going abroad and stuff, and you know, and I, you, you could just play dumb, like dumb American. Like, I don't know. You just, you know, I just, can I take a picture with your gun? You know, kind of things. And it, it end up working out. Yeah. So. I, I, um, I heard stories about <laughs> Af- Afghanistan. I was talking to a guy in the military and he said that he was, he was looking through uh, scopes and he saw this guy riding a motorcycle. And he said, these two gigantic dogs came out running after the motorcycle. And, uh, it, it was like, he said these dogs were like really, really big. I mean, bigger than the motorcycle. The dire wolves. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's not the only one who's told me about these dogs that are over there that pop up. And then I was literally just reading this morning about how apparently, I don't know if it's true or not, but supposedly that among the soldiers, that's why I asked you if you were there for the military among the soldiers, they talk about how, the locals in certain areas make sure that they stay inside at night. They bring their kids in at night. Nobody goes out because of the vampires. And I'm just like, that's interesting. Like, so, no. so what are we talking about here? Are we talking about, you know, people who, you know, just like drinking people's blood, you know, satanically, or are we talking about, you know, you know, like a, like a ghostly entity or what are we talking about? Dude, that escalated quickly. <laughs> like what's what, big dogs outside? No vampires. <laughs> Wrong fang, wrong fang. Right, right, right. <laughs> we did an episode with Dr. Judd Burton, and he talked about um, in Texas there was the way that they would catch vampires. He said it on our show. They would put crosses on the ground outside with nails in them, and they'd wake up in the morning and they'd be on them. Wow. Yeah. Where was that? that? That was in Texas. In Texas. Yeah. Wow. He, he told stories about that. I, so they would they were like rat traps for vampires and that crazy that's interesting that's interesting yeah. I, I was just reading about new orleans and they actually have vampires there now but it's just it's people i i i, I read different things but it, some people are writing that they claim to have a physical condition where they need to drink the blood mm. uh but the one author that i was reading he had said that he was he was actually going down there looking for people like this and he was in like some kind of goth store asking the clerk and somebody walked in and he just like said, that's somebody right there that you want to talk to. So he goes over to this lady and he's like, excuse me, I'm looking. And he tells him, tells her what, what he's there for. And she smiles at him and she had already, she had filed her teeth down in the fangs. And so like, apparently it's a, it's a, it's a popular thing, but he, he says that he estimates that there's about 50 people in every major city in this country 
that pursue a vampire vampire type lifestyle. And um, it's just like, man, not for me though. I like steak. Well, yeah, he said they travel like in fireballs, like through the sky and stuff. Just so he's talking about real supernatural entities. Yeah, yeah. Wow, well, that's I mean, interesting. Or somebody who's sort of given themselves up and become some type of skinwalker vampire creature. Mm-hmm. They've they've gone through the ceremony. Yeah, I don't know, but it sounded yeah like like you have to sort of set out an exorcism trap and then you'd catch them. But on the on the border of the Af- Afghanistan Chinese border, is there any giants activity going on there? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. The only contact I have there is that guy, and uh, every once in a while he drops me a line of just random information. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. it's topical along the lines of giants, and sometimes it's not. He that's all he told me. I feel like I'm forgetting a piece of information because that we did a whole blog on this. It's yeah. interesting the little bits of pieces of information you pick up here and there, and it's it's funny because sometimes. It's just a little piece of information that I pick up that helps me put together a piece of a puzzle. And I'm just like, oh, man, I'm so glad I, 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 this person told me this or I read this somewhere because it kind of helped me make sense of things. And again, to circle all the way back to the beginning, that's what Heiser was for me throughout yeah. this process. Like he was, a, he was a big piece of a puzzle for me to be able to like he, he was like uh, the, the instruction manual to the puzzle and trying to put together, you know? So right. uh, it, it's, it, it's been really nice to have somebody like him uh, to refer to because of his accolades. So even when I'm talking to other people who are Christians, maybe they, they just don't really jive with those kind of things. Like I can talk about, you know, what Heiser talks about and say, and he is this, that, and the other like he's not just some goofball that says I have a doctorate degree and it came from some tiny little school out in the middle of nowhere. You know, he got it offline. You know, so right, it's honorary. It's an honorary yeah. doctorate. <laughs> I got, yeah, exactly. I got a few more questions from from people who who wrote in today. Someone wants to know about the little people. Any stories oh, about the little people? Come on, Luke. This is, this is not a. Hey, no one wrote that. Yeah, Tony, it is. This is really yeah. just Nate's question. <laughs> he has a weird obsession with little people. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I, I'm not, I'm not really, uh, well versed in the stories of the little people. I haven't had a whole lot of people asking me uh, or to come to me and tell me stories. I know I've had some stories, but nothing, nothing major is not in my wheelhouse, to be honest. You're crushing yeah. Nate's, you're crushing Nate's dreams right now. No, no, it's fine. Hey, what other, yeah. what other questions did people write in and talk? <laughs> Someone asked Akhenaten, is he a Nephilim or African? What do you think? What do you think? Akanakan. That's probably more of a De- more of a Derek Olson yeah. question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I I I go back and forth with the idea of uh, Nimrod um, and Gilgamesh, which I, from what I understand, same person, two different versions of the story. And you know, really sub sub line here. Did you guys see the uh, email that came out last year about in in the Hillary Clinton emails the subject line that said, that was requesting information of where the body of Gilgamesh is and the Barakithalum. Yes. I didn't see that. I heard about that. I dug into those emails and the person who wrote that email wrote a lot of emails in that server. And uh, some people are, are thinking that that was actually a Hillary Clinton alias that she uses because her, she was on an open server. And so like, can you imagine Hillary Clinton requesting that information that's crazy. So where, where Gilgamesh's bodies is? Is that? Yeah, the, they, they, the subject line, because we only have the subject line. We, we don't have the email. We, all we have yeah. is the subject line. So the body. And, right. Yeah, it, it was asking where, where the body of Gilgamesh was in the wild. buried Nephilim. 
But think about this, though. Like, if you try to train some thoughts together, right? There's a lot of information about how in the 33rd degree of masonry or the Masonic, they supposedly pull a lot from the Egyptian Book of the Dead. And one of the things they do is the, is the raising of Osiris, is that ceremony, right? Which is something apparently or allegedly they do during the inauguration of each American president. Was the idea just the same thing the Egyptians did when they when they inaugurated a pharaoh? Really, was to raise the spirit of Osiris in order to inhabit that. So, if you follow that line of thinking, if we were to believe that, like in our last episode, Nate, where we talked, you know, with the megalithic marvels guys about with Derek about the idea that a lot of the ancient megaliths and these in these civilizations, these civilizations sprung up around advanced civilizations that had pre-existed them. So the Sphinx and the pyramids were there and they just repurposed them, right? And the same thing happened in Peru with the Incas and the Aztecs, right? So then I wonder though, that if we're with the Babylon workings and all these things that we know happened and people trying to sort of reboot and re-engage these entities that, you know, in the modern times, there's, there's, there's a lot of theories. I'm sure you get to traffic in a lot of this too, is that talk about the occult and, and the satanic stuff that plays into these, these secret societies and these elite, these elite secret societies that a lot of, well, a lot of people subscribe to somehow pulling the strings behind the curtain, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people uh, say that's not real. And you know, when I talk, like you first start talking about the Masons, every time I bring up the Masons on my show, I'm, I'm bound to get emails about it. I'm a Mason. I'm a, I'm a master Mason. I'm like, congratulations. I know what the levels are. It's, you know, good right. job. You know, which like, to thirty third. What do they tell you about the Luc- Luciferian doctrine? That exists yeah, at the top I, levels. Well, someone said like ninety five percent of the Masons aren't. Well, yeah, because it's nothing weird. It's, it's like a, it's, it's like the Elks Club, percentage. right? Like you just like go and hang out. I'm not an expert on this, but from what I've heard, like the the, the ceremony, if if you're a Christian and you're, but you're not re- like you don't think like I think about things, you would see no harm, no foul kind of thing in what they're doing in the ceremony. But it seems like they're they're opening up the ceremony to for you to be able to just claim any deity that you want, whether it's you know Jehovah God or if it's something else. And as you go through these levels and stuff, it eventually you know it's like pledge allegiance to this pencil, and and you do that, and eventually it's like it, it becomes a very meaningless thing at the higher you go. I, I so the Masons. I just feel like I do feel that they're nefarious the higher you go. I don't think that all Masons are bad guys. And, and I think that, you know, people on the lower levels that aren't 33 degree, they, they, they're pretty ignorant to what's going on. If what's going on is true, but I have some people that are, are really close to me who have had uh, family members in Masonry and um, they've told me what life was like growing up for them. And uh, anything from, satanic symbolism around the house to dad being a possible hitman of some kind and 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 stashing bodies in a quarry Hmm. and and this person related to me in a sense where it was like they felt like it was because of masonry didn't Hmm. seem like it didn't to me from what i was hearing i didn't hear any proofs of it but they were they felt very convicted that it was probably because of masonry I don't know. Well, I mean, not. I know that one of the initiation ceremonies is is essentially being born again, right? You you lay in a coffin and you're born again, which sounds like a counterfeit gospel in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, right? And if we're if we're to subscribe to that, the enemy and 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 Satan himself is the great deceiver, and they're supposed to. And in the whole idea with the Antichrist, and we've talked about this on previous shows too, is that it'll be a counterfeit gospel, right? It's the it's the upside down cross. It's the 
It's the flip. It's the opposite of the gospel. So when I think about those kind of things, and I don't know a whole lot either. I'm just saying, like, I find it very interesting that there's these allegorical kind of co co play, like cosplay kind of role playing. You get born again? Is it, it's I don't know, man. It makes me want to just be <laughs> be like, I'll stay away from that stuff. It brings up a good point, and kind of like what I want to like maybe ask you to kind of go in. Maybe this can end the show, but the future of humanity. Where do you see us going? What do you see happening? What do you see coming down the pipe? Because to me, it sounds like, you know, ancient aliens is growing. This These theories are growing. And Christians are coming out of the bubble and coming out of the woodwork. And they're talking about giants and Book of Enoch. And there's this, is the days of Noah when everyone's going to be woken up again to the supernatural world? And you're going to have to pick a side? I mean, is there a great awakening happening? Is there an, a time, like what... What is all this brewing towards, and and what are your thoughts and feelings on that? I know that kind of gets into the, some of the. I'm down, I'm down, bro. Let's do it. So, um, <laughs> I, I I think that uh, one, I think that we are going through a spiritual awakening as an entire society. It's just how people are going about it. So you hear a lot of people about talking about DMT experiences and how they're having spiritual experiences through DMT things like that. I think like Joe Rogan, man. Oh yeah. Like, if, he, yeah. like he's a big proponent yeah. of it. And a lot of people follow that. So like, I think people are looking for spirituality, but they're not looking in the right places for me as for my theology. I describe myself on my, my, my one Instagram page for rage against dystopia. I, I just, I describe myself as a dystopian futurist, which means I project the future and I don't see it as a very good future for us as humanity. Okay. And I believe that it has to go there because as a Christian with prophecy, I know that the world needs to go downhill. And so I don't, I, I'm, I'm not interested in Like, listen, I'm going to do my best to make the world a better place, but I, I don't believe it. But you're going to carry again. Oh yeah. I mean, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And listen, I have no problem saying this publicly every time I leave my house, <laughs> like, yeah. but, um, I, I just I don't I don't have any interest in in um, putting off God's will, ultimately, and so knowing what the fact that in in Revelation it doesn't name America one time. The only thing you could possibly say is in Amer- is America in Revelation is when it described those cities that had fallen from God, um, but that is my point. That in the end times, America is irrelevant. And I feel like we're starting to see the irrelevancy of America by us allowing ourselves to go down. Like we, we were on a level for so long and we are choosing to let ourselves slip and go. Or we had an identity, you know, America had an identity and now it's just morphing into. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you believe what you want to believe, but don't tell me what you believe because that might offend me. Get everybody scared to talk to each other, all that crap. That, 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 that stuff did a number on us, getting everybody scared to talk to each other about, you know, offending them. When you can't talk, you can't sharpen each other's thoughts. And, right. and there's and, no marketplace of ideas. Exactly. You, you, it doesn't, so it doesn't, yeah, you can't sort out. And then, and then what, what happens is they, they tell you what to believe. Yeah. Because there, I, I just did a show yesterday with somebody else. So if I did say it on you, I'm sorry. I think I said it on their show. If you can get people scared to speak to each other, and, and it's the thought police, it's censoring your speech. 
So all these thoughts that everybody has going on upstairs, never leave your mouth because you're scared of what people are going to say and think of you. Eventually, I, I believe, I don't, I'm not a scientist, but I believe eventually when you only have the thoughts in your mouth and you're not allowing it to actually exit your mouth or thoughts in your brain exiting your mouth, eventually those thoughts stop, I think. And maybe, not, and maybe not on an individual basis like everybody, but especially as, uh, as a society progresses in time, those thoughts then stop because nobody's sharing them. And that leaves an empty hole in your brain for propaganda to filter in for them to tell you what to think. And I think we're seeing that kind of transition right now. The, they weaponize the public school system with our children and the colleges. But to take it on a paranormal route for you, I think that... So let me paint this, this scenario for you. We see... The, over the past few years, what, our government coming out and talking more openly about UFOs and the, the idea of aliens and disclosure, disclosure all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. I think that, so in, in the Bible, it says that when Christ comes back, every knee will bow and confess that he is Lord. I take that literally. So when Christ breaks through that sky and he's like, I'm back, like every knee will bow and confess that he is Lord in that moment. So how do you recover from something like that to, to progress to the end times when you see what's supposed to happen, right? I think it's a very plausible, in my, my world, everything I do, I think is a plausible scenario where they're setting the stage with the whole alien idea that when, when a rapture happens and all the bigots of the world, all the racists of the world are gone because we're raptured, the propaganda machine that we have functioning right now that's getting stronger and stronger every year might have a pretty easy time since they've been laying the groundwork with aliens to describe to the people that, hey, uh, that was actually an alien invasion and they took from us the bigots and the racists of this world so that we as human beings can elevate to the next level of humanity and enter transhumanism and things like that. And so where do I think all this is going? I don't think it's going anywhere good. Well, I'm with you, man. I think that we've talked about this before on the show too, Nate, that Perhaps the 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 Antichrist and, and the coming of the Antichrist could be, you know that that encounter, right? It's it's this it's this maybe they're prepping us also for this alien encounter where this being's going to come down and tell us that he's that that they're here to save us and that that we're this big experiment and become it's the false counterfeit gospel, right? Yeah, and, and it's just been a preparation. It's been a uh, they're conditioning us for for this to happen right and oh it, the conditioning definitely i mean but that's what i'm saying so maybe that you know maybe it's not too much unlike the watchers maybe it's not too much unlike one of, like that like that and then saying hey i'm whoever from whatever planet and i'm here to to be your savior i mean when you go down the ancient aliens uh rabbit holes it gets frustrating right because they're so close to what i think is like the biblical narrative that like there was a golden age when everything was corrupted and but they had this sacred knowledge to build these things and do all this stuff and the Anunnaki and all that fits into the Bible right and then you you kind of get there and a lot of people are like no no bro it's like it's way weirder than that you know and I'm like no I mean the Bible actually is is got a lot of the weird stuff in it that explains all these things and I think there's a time coming when um yeah disclosure and aliens i mean in some ways when you're describing that tony it reminds me of that scene in pinocchio when they're all lured onto pleasure island that's a good analogy you know what i mean and they go there and they're promised all these things and then slowly they start turning into 
jackasses for for the guy to sell. You know, they become a product. And I think from what I've from talking to Tim in LA, that the whole goal is to turn humans into something that they own. You physically lose your independence. You become owned, chained. And I, I this sounds weird, guys. And I'm going to get a little vulnerable here. The day Trump, after the election, I went on Trump's Twitter and I and I saw it on a on a Facebook forum that. Thousands of witches across the world were casting spells on his Twitter feed. Did you see this? Yeah. I, I, were you talking about the first time he was elected? Or? No, the second time. After the last they did, election. They, they did it the first time he was elected. Oh. Actually won, too. So I don't know if anyone out there saw this, but it was just like weird, creepy pictures, like Hebrew writing or some ancient dead language writing, and just like Bible verses, and, and it was like connected to these dark, weird pictures and it just looked like they were mocking him but then you know i had a couple friends send me links said dude witches were casting spells on his twitter feed and i had this vision guys that like someday people are going to put their brains into ai they're going to get google brain or whatever it is they're going to be like we can give you everything and then they'll beg for death and they won't be able to find it because They'll start putting this stuff in their heads. Oh, you wanted to be on Google Brain? It's going to be like Pleasure Island in the beginning. This is great. This is fun. This is fantastic. And then all of a sudden, we got you. You cannot get this technology out of your brain. You've you've crossed the Rubicon. You're ours. That, that's really, I mean, anybody who thinks that sounds crazy, first of all, thanks for sh- sharing that because Elon Musk's co- company, Neuralink, is literally talking about rewiring your brain. Yeah, and 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 putting electronics in your brain. We're talking yeah, about biohacking, right? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the transhumanism agenda right now unfolding before our eyes, and everybody thinks it's great. And I'm just like, uh, not for me, man. I'll be a caveman before I do that, right? And I think that's why. Well, I think that's why Alberino's book is so timely too, and like what he talks about, right? And it, it, it put con- puts context to all this. If you remove someone's humanity, then we no longer have dominion over this place. Even though that you know, this was his birthright thing, is we were given dominion over the earth by God, endowed by God, and even though the dragon was thrown down here, he still doesn't have dominion. We still don't have that dominion until our humanity is removed, right? Until we give it up, willing, and we're in a place now people are willing to give that up. And honestly, that's why I think the Bible is so implicit and explicit about genealogy, DNA wars. DNA wars. That's a, that. That should be a, the name of a, an episode sometime down the line. DNA wars. That's great. well. I mean, I had uh. I had that feeling when I saw Trump's Twitter that it, I don't know if I got a vision, but it felt like a vision. It felt like I had a vision, a split second vision of what the future was going to look like and what people are going to be running around screaming when they take over the AI of the brains and everyone turns into donkeys. It was like all this came into my mind. I was like, it, it freaked me out. I was like, oh god, I don't know if I just saw something I shouldn't have seen, but it felt evil like i just like oh god i just our brand is like got it and i'm just sitting there looking at these photos on twitter i'm like what if this got flashed into your mind like they took over your brain and you couldn't you couldn't go back you couldn't turn it off you couldn't delete it's oh i definitely think it's it's coming i mean i i i don't like i said i don't have a positive outlook on the future of humanity well you know maybe to give people some hope because if you're like me you you can you can feel things in the core like i can't listen to certain types of music or watch certain movies because it affects me in my core. It just like gets into my mind. I'm like very sensitive person. But someone said, I think it was Kim Clement. I was watching a video someone sent to me. who said, God works in seasons, right? 
he was saying, you know, there's these seasons in the Bible, seasons that, that are of famine, right? And then seasons of, of harvest and plenty. And so we might be coming out of a season of darkness and we have a season of good for a while. That it's not just all evil and terrible continually. And that was encouraging to me because like, yeah, maybe we are coming out of a season. Maybe, maybe people are going to wake up. Maybe we are going to have a great awakening. Everyone's like, oh, wow, this is how the world really works. And these Satanists have been doing things and we didn't even realize, right? Oh, here he goes, blaming the Satanists again. <laughs> I'm turning them off. You know, that's, <laughs> I hear it all the time. <laughs> no, it's to be more, Nate said Trump, one star. <laughs> there you go. I oh, said no, Trump's I, Twitter. I, I didn't say anything. Yeah, one star. I, I, listen, I think I said things on this episode that will get me a one star on my show. So. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, you got to get people to... Meat and, meat and potatoes if you want meat and potatoes right yeah well, Nate, if they're going to do an upgrade they should probably work on 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 some built-in sunscreen you're looking quite right, red well, i'm my looking friend. red because you know i'm always red dude that's just just comes with it <laughs> <laughs> someone says someone said oh yeah you guys are you going to become bffs and collab with west from sasquatch chronicles on one show we would all implode good luck good Hunting luck him down Wes is uh, one of the most introverted podcasters on the face of the planet. I have yeah. a hard time getting him to do anything that requires leaving his place. Oh, so <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. And that's the thing: podcasting is kind of a is is can be fun for those introvert extroverts. You know, where you like you like talking to people, you like putting it out there, but you don't like to leave your house. Yeah, yeah. He's a very introverted. Pe- him and I are so different. Like I'm very extroverted. I talk to everybody. Yeah. I've, I do anything, but, uh, I recognized early uh, cause him and I are real good friends and, and I recognized real early on in our relationship that he was a lot like my wife who was very introverted. Yeah. Uh, my wife, I mean, before we had kids, I literally could pretty much do whatever I want because she would read a book for five hours straight. So I could just leave and go play basketball, whatever I wanted to do. It wasn't a problem. I come back. She's still in the same spot, wrapping up the book. She started, yeah. you know, <laughs> so, right. I love it, man. Well, Everyone can find your podcast, The Confessionals. You can you can find it everywhere and I, in your website, Confessionals. Um, is it the Confession Podcast dot com? Yeah, yeah. Tune in. What's that episode we were talking about? Was that one twenty two with the? Uh, yeah, episode one twenty two was the Nakian secret. No, I'm on that. Yeah. I'm on it, Tony. I, it's almost time for lawn, it's almost lawn mowing season again here. Which means I put in podcasts for about three hours while I mow my lawn. I think that so one's like a two and a half hour, so it should take. That'll be good. It'll be good. I have to pause it when I got to yeah. refill my gas tank after a three-hour session. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. yeah I, we really appreciate you coming on and and yeah. sharing Absolutely. how your faith kind of morphs into your podcasting and your journeys and what's what's your plans for the future. I'm sure you have big plans. You sound like a guy with big plans and a lot of uh, a lot of tenacity and heart and you want to be the biggest podcast in the world. So Well, no, I, I don't need to be the biggest podcast in the world. I, I just do what I want to do. And so I have the confessionals. I have Hammer Lane Legends, which is a transportation show where me and my dad talk to people who drive for a living and their crazy experiences. Yeah. Um, I'm starting Rage Against Dystopia on Fringe FM. I'm working on starting another show more along the lines of NBA basketball because it's just, it's a nice release for me. I love it and I love the sport. And um, it, with I'm not the kind of guy, like I don't listen to tons of music anymore. I'm just constantly consuming information and sometimes I need to decompress, you know? And so basketball does that for me. And I'm thinking about having some guys come over. You guys sound like you're familiar with Joe Rogan. So like sometimes he uh, does uh, what's called Fight Companion. And they have the guys come over and they talk about, you know, the MMA fights as they watch it and stuff. I'm going to do something similar here. And uh, the most 
the, the even most newest idea I have that I'm going to be starting to work on is um, the idea of searching for lost treasure in history in Pennsylvania oh, or hey. or Tennessee if I move there. But now, uh, hey, buddy, we're talking now. You're talking my language. Yeah, I want to be a treasure hunter when I grow up. Still, me too. At some point, I got I got a. I got a uh, a metal detector I've never used, and it's like oh, I've got one, and I've used it a few times. Come on over, man. We'll uh, we'll break it out. Start Let's, looking for the beeps. I'm uh, I'm thinking about heading down to Kentucky. We'll talk when we stop recording this, but I'm thinking about heading down to, to Kentucky this year. You're just gonna be a hop skipping away. I might swing through. Oh yeah, sounds yeah, good. Well, we appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us uh, you know just a, a real look down what what five years into podcasting looks like all the weird stuff that happens how your brain morphs and you change your ideas and you think you know some things and then you realize i don't know anything exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly but you got to keep going and for us uh, the busy minds who get bored easily podcasting's great people tell you stories and it gets weirder every day and i love it and i appreciate you coming on our show and thanks thank tony you. right on yeah.